Hey folks, uh, before we start this week's show, I just wanted to say a big thanks to Andrew Jones, Brad Porter and John Dangerfield for the company while I was in London. I meant to say it on the show and I completely blanked. Um, as you'll see, the runtime was pretty long and I just completely blanked by the end of the show. So uh, Andrew, Brad, always a pleasure. John, lovely to meet you. And uh, yeah, appreciate your time, guys. Right, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 465 of Film Bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... Matt Foster, hello everybody. Hello, hello. Becky is incoming at some point, um, and she apparently has things to say about Halloween ends... Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about Dario Argento's new film, the first, no, the no, the second film he's made in the show's lifetime because Giallo. Um, yes. So we will be talking a bit of dark glasses. Uh, we'll have some trailers. We'll have some questions. Might well have some news. We'll definitely have some what we've been watching. Um, prepare for uh, London Film Festival wrap-up splurge from me at some point in this show. Um, We are a pod syndicate podcast, so please listen to like-minded shows like Chinstroker vs. Punter, Assuming Paul is Alive, uh, Entertainment Landfill, uh, The Rewatch Project, um, uh, oh my word, The Iron Sequel, uh, his film, her movie, I think that's it i think i think if so, it's yeah. not i'm very sorry but there you go and patreon.com forward slash film bastards two dollars a month gets you this show early and extra content like lock stock and free smoking bastards which we've just recorded prior to recording this where mark and i talk about guy Ritchie's second film snatch 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 so, with that out of the way, what movie news do we have this week? Has anything come up that you feel is worth discussion, Mark? Not that I can remember. Um, Top stuff. Yeah. The Flash might not happen because Ezra Miller, they might be in prison. <laughs> Yeah, so they did some reshoots over the last couple of weeks, but they may also be sent to prison for 26 years because they pled not guilty to a robbery charge. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, let's see what happens there. Um, it's one of those. I'll tell you what, this is not that business for now. So, <laughs> oh. And you've just gone to my MacBook speakers for some reason. Sorry, my AirPods have just decided to disconnect. And I think we're back. Hello. Yeah, okay, sorry about that. And yeah, that's still recording. That's still recording. That's still recording. Okay, so um, during the COVID pandemic, um, a... Uh, there, there, there was a concept called meme stocks where 
people online basically thought it'd be funny to invest a load of money in um, kind of companies that weren't doing very well for the lols. Um, and GameStop, a video game seller in the US, was uh, one of them. Uh, basically saved the company through people just investing in GameStop because they thought it would be funny. Uh, a book was written about it, The Anti-Social Network, and Craig Gillespie is directing a film adaptation. Now, here is a cast list. Seth Rogen, Paul Dano, Sebastian Stan, Pete Davidson, Shailene Woodley, Anthony Ramos, Vincent D'Onofrio, Dane DeHaan. Cool. <laughs> yes, I will watch that film. Yep. Very, very much so. That is an absolute banger of a cast. Um, and yeah, that that's that's going to be interesting. I think a lot of the people in 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 that playing people who think it would be funny to invest in stupid stocks. Pete Davidson feels like he should be playing the ringleader of that. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. does feel a little bit like he looks like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he fucks, and he looks like he would, he would invest in those. Um, that's going to be fun. The Anti-Social Network. Good name. Um... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, LFF was happening, so there was. Um, I'm actually loath to. No, I'm not going to talk about that because I think that's actually a bit of a spoiler for Glass Onion. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Fair uh, um. Black Adam took a lot of edits to avoid an R rating. Um, here's some news. We're not reviewing Black Adam. We're not, no. Um, we just decided, didn't we, that there's other things we want to watch more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. It's not like we're desperate for things to review at the moment, which is brilliant. Yes. And like, to be clear, that is ace. We've got Decision to Leave and uh, the Banshees of Inishirin this weekend. Yep. We've got Triangle of Sadness and Barbarian Nate's weekend. Um, and I fully intend on us doing a full review of Barbarian. I'll go see it again. So, we don't need to review Black Adam. And it was interesting. Because I just had a realisation of, I'm really not that bothered about going to the cinema to see Black Adam. We got bros next week as well, actually. Yes. So, and every one of those films you've mentioned there... I am looking forward to more than Black Adam. Yeah. And it's, it's in a way, I suppose, we're doing that to kind of prove a point of, or, or, or just like fo follow through on the fact that we have been complaining about The Rock and Black Adam quite a lot on the show recently. Mm -hmm. um, but then, oh, but we're going to go and see the film anyway. No, 
No. No. Yep. I'll go see The Flash because I want to see Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman again. But Black Adam's doing nothing for me. Nope. It, it, I just, it, 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 it looks like from... It, it look, I feel like I've already seen the film because I've seen the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just yeah. Do you know what? Uh, but I am I'm I'm happy to when I see it to admit that I'm that I was wrong. If I am wrong, I I genuinely hope that happens because obviously it will it will mean I've watched a good film and I always prefer to watch a good film than a bad film. Well. We'll cover it in what we've been watching at some point. Yes. But, yeah, I don't know. It's almost just like an editorial decision of what are we actually going to say about it. Yeah. So, you know. um, I'm taking Lottie and her friends to see Lyle Lyle Crocodile uh, at the cinema on Saturday. I think I'll have more to say about that. And do you know what? I, I again, I'd go to see La La Crocodile ahead of, of Black Adam at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I just yeah. don't. I just I, it, it it would be so much of contractual obligation. Yeah, I mean th- th- that's the thing. It would, and it's like you know, yeah. You guys have kind of talked about like checking out on on the MCU and things like things like that. It's like I feel like we may be don't need to be beholden to that kind of, I mean annoyingly the thing is with the MCU is usually when one of those films come out literally nothing else actually comes out alongside it that week mm. um, but if it does maybe we don't cover them you know I mean, it, 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 you know it, it's yeah it's an interesting one but yeah Black Adam we're not we're not talking about it next week we got we got other stuff we'd rather watch so there we go that's a bit that's a bit of show news yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um, so, I'll move on. I thought, oh, no, actually, no, I won't. One thing, uh, Twister is getting a sequel because we were talking about Twister a couple weeks back and obviously the producers were listening. We were indeed, yeah. And so, yeah, it is. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's making a comeback. Yep, yep, Twisters. I mean, fantastic. Put a dollar sign on the S. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joseph Kaczynski was originally supposed to be directing, but um, he pulled out. Um, it's interesting. Um, the people who directed Free Solo, uh, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassar Helyi, uh, are apparently on the list. People who directed Free Solo, directing a, f- a fictional film about tornado hunters. Yeah. Yeah, go on. That could work. <laughs> yeah. That could work. Um, and uh, Travis Knight, who directed Kubo and the Two Strings and Bumblebee, um, is uh, also being considered. Um, that, that 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 could be good. That could be good. Apparently, um, Helen Hunt is going to be coming back, but it's going to be focusing on uh, Bill Paxton and she's daughter, who uh, gets into the tornado chasing game. Um, yeah, that's a little bit shut up and take my money. I'd be well up for that. Yeah. Twister is a it is a ridiculously uh, entertaining movie. If they mm. can capture just a little bit of that, I, I, I'm for it. Yeah, so we'll see that in a couple of years. Should be good. Would like to think they'll be doing some IMAX for that. And uh, let's go. Let's have another cow. Um, 
So, let's talk trailers. Yeah. What trailers do we have? What trailers do we have? Let's have a wee little look. Da, 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 da. We've got a biggie, but we'll save that, won't we? Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. They've remade House Party. I've done a new House Party. Yeah, they have. Mm. Now, House Party for me was a big deal of like the of the of the VHS rental days. Um, the uh, original Hudlin uh, movie uh, starring Kid and Play. Um, I'll be honest, of the Kid and Play movies, I always I always kind of preferred Class Act a little bit more. Thought it was a little bit funnier. Um, I I always do like the fact that that, that the, one of the random facts about the House Party movie is. It's it's based on a on a student movie that Reginald uh, Hudlin made when he was at Harvard. Wow! So the genesis for House Party actually started at Harvard University. That's crazy. That that's yeah. You wouldn't expect that, would you? Wow. No. Would you? Um, yeah. It's. I mean. Did you watch the trailer for this? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of switched off very quickly, but I, I, I in my eyes, absorbed it. Yeah, it, it's I, I, I have less than no interest in watching it just because I don't. I, I would just prefer to rewatch House Party to be honest. Sure. Um, and I look at it and go, I will hover over that on Netflix or Amazon Prime, whichever one it ends up on, uh, several times before actually going. I'm just not going to bother. Um, but it's got LeBron James sending himself up a little bit in it, which is yeah. funny, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and, and listeners, I'm sorry, I said in the Patreon thing, my daughter's got friends over and uh, they're being quite loud, so my apologies. Um, I don't want to tell them to be quiet because nah. they're kids having fun, so I'm not going to be like that. Um, yeah, I've got... Yeah, I've got zero interest, but if it comes out in the dead of winter and there's nothing else out, going to have to review something, unless they re-release Black Adam when we review it then. <laughs> um, on the line. On the line? What's this? Uh, it's Mel Gibson playing <laughs> essentially like a agony uncle uh, radio presenter. Um, what? Yep. Yeah. Um, who gets a call from somebody um, saying, and this is all in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away because in the trailer I haven't watched the movie, gets a call from somebody saying that they're going to do something horrible um, and dangerous tonight um, and that that he's going to hurt this guy who's wronged him's family. Uh, And of course, whose family is he talking about? He's talking about Mel Gibson's family. So Mel Gibson's on the line with a guy who has broken into his house. I mean, it's high concept. Yep, it is. <laughs> but I feel like we've already seen a version of this movie several times that doesn't star Mel Gibson. Yeah. And Mel Gibson play a role where somebody is saying look, you come across as this nice guy, but actually you, you need to start being honest with people. It's a little bit on the nose. Yeah, that is a bit. Yeah. Um, I've got another one. Paradise City. 
Okay, yeah, I, I, who's this one starring? John Travolta, Stephen Dorff, and Bruce Willis. Right. Great. Great. I watched a trailer about half an hour, 45 minutes ago. I, I don't remember anything about it. Fucking hell. Yep. John Travolta got a wig in this one. No, he's not. He's, he, he, he's embracing the bald He's embracing it. Yeah. Good on him. And the thing is, he looks good with his shaved head. He does. He does look good with a shaved head, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, I will not be watching that. Uh, poker Face. Who the fuck's in this one? It just... All of these titles is just making me think, okay, which one of these people is in this? Go on, who's in it? Well, this one... Um, you might actually be a little bit... This this one might pique your interest. So, right. Poker Face... Well, it stars... Elsa Pataki. Okay. The Rizza. Right. Um, not Chris Hemsworth Part 1, which is Liam Hemsworth. Right. And Russell Crowe, and is directed by Russell Crowe. What? Yep. <laughs> Crowe plays really? Jake... Te- yep, I'm going to read the plot synopsis. Yep. Crow plays Jake, a tech billionaire who gathers his childhood friends to his Miami estate for what turns into a high-stakes game of poker. Those friends have a love-hate relationship with the host, a master game player planner, and he has concocted an elaborate scheme designed to bring certain justice to all of them. However, Jake finds himself rethinking his strategy when his Miami mansion is overtaken by dangerous home invader who previous jobs have all ended in murder and arson. That sounds incredible. Uh, Quick question. Elsa Pataki is not playing Russell Crowe's childhood friend, is is she? No, I think she's part of, yeah, a different crew. Right, okay, that's fine. That sounds incredibly convoluted and somehow sounds like the kind of thing I'd I'd expect Russell Crowe to direct. Yep. That sounds good. Yep. I, I I loved again another random little weird friendships one. Russell Crowe and the RZA being really good friends. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. For, like well, I mean like for a man in the iron uh, man with the iron fists. Yeah. They're, they're just like yeah. They, he, he crops up. They crop up a lot of things together, and they're just good mates. That's great. That's the thing. I bet Russell Crowe is a fantastic hang. I bet. I bet he is. I bet he's a great pint. Yeah. Oh my. God, could you imagine? Yeah, I, I, could I you imagine? I bet it's a great, like a great, like not like a night out, night out, but a great corner of a pub. Just Russell, what about this? And I bet you he would just he'd be happy to tell you stories, but at the same time he'd be happy to listen to your stories as well. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, my my worry would be if you are hammered and he is hammered. And you maybe say something that he takes the wrong way. <laughs> that would yeah. that if you could keep it at like good time, Russell Crowe, it will be incredible. Absolutely, all of it will be incredible. Yeah. But just if you say something that he considers to be some sort of dig, even if you didn't mean that, and then you are drunk, so drunk that you, you just can't quite think quickly enough to settle it down. 
you, you, you'd have you'd have yeah. to pick the right moment to go, Russ, 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 do the unhinged face for me. <laughs> no, exa- yeah, exactly. That that is exactly it. That is exactly it. Do you know if you got the right um, time, he'd do the unhinged face at you, and you'd be like, "This is the greatest moment of my life." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I yeah. God, that's a bit of a bucket list thing, isn't it? Just like meet Russell Crowe and just have a pint with him. Yeah. Be incredible. Yeah. Right, that that sounds that sounds ace. It looks like that. It, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a fun movie. That needs to be a in cinemas in January, so you can go to the cinema between four and seven on a weekday when we're gonna have blackouts in January and February. But like, oh, obviously, like businesses probably won't be impacted by that, and just sit in the warm cinema and watch Russell Crowe do that for a couple of hours. And I'm fairly certain it is out. I think it's November. I think it's out. But it, oh. I think, yeah, it's it's November. It comes out. Is it VOD or theatrical? I think it's getting. I think it's getting a theatrical, and then a couple of weeks later, it comes out on VOD. Oh man, it's just, I'll tell you what, if that comes out the same weekend as Black Panther, maybe we should just review Poker Face. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, we would get like negative 70 listens, but. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pumped for Poker Face, it looks fun. It's oh, yeah, everything you told me there. It's the first movie I've talked about in terms of trailer that I'm actually going to watch. Spirited. Yeah, what's all that kind of animation stuff about at the start of this trailer? That was weird. Mm. It was. I'm guessing that they're going to be like the opening credits or something like that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um... I'm I'm kind of up for spirited. I think it looks it looks fun. Um, I'm I'm happy to spend a little bit of Christmas time with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Will one hundred percent watch this at home? Like like lights down, couple of drinks on a Friday night with family. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else have we got? What else do we have? Uh, M. Thregan. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> now this comes out in January. And, uh, oh man, I am going to be racing to the cinema uh, of a Friday like if it like a Friday half four or five showing, I finish work at four, get in the car, drive to the cinema, have my drink in hand, and get ready for Meg Freegan. <laughs> yep. I, like from the writer of Malignant, produced by James Wan. Um. You know, starring everyone's favorite. Uh, it, it, Dangerous white woman, Alison Williams. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it just it. Yeah, could you watch the trailer going as she's explaining what she's done? You just going, this is a terrible idea. Um, it, <laughs> what, it's, why was it's this a the, good idea? 
it's the worst idea, but just the camp prospects of this film yeah. cannot be underestimated. Um, and I mean, the trailer is fully leaning in on that. Yeah. Like that, that dancing bit that has become like a, a meme is just fantastic. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. It just looks so weird. I am so up for this movie. And yeah, I mean, like, it just like, it's one of those things where film Twitter every now and then comes together and just celebrates something random. Like, one of my favourite days on film Twitter was the day the first Cats trailer dropped. (laughs) And it it felt like that. Um, It, it's... Yeah, I, I'm so excited. It just it's such a mid-January release. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Just, just perfect. Like if if it's like this and Empire of Light, and I'm double billing them. Like I mean, just Chef's Kiss. Yeah, that yeah, that does sound like it's going to be a good time. <laughs> Can't yeah, it cannot wait for this. It is gonna be ridiculous. That's mad. That 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 what is it like that? Kayla Cooper. He, he's like one of the. He's one of the executive producers on Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sure. Who's the director on uh, Meg Freegan? Meg Freegan director is Gerard Johnston. Who directed Housebound. That's what I was thinking of. Housebound is fun. Yes. Yes. I've seen that, yeah. Good step up for old Gerard. Good on him. Looking forward to free Megan. Um, I watched the trailer for Women Talking I hadn't seen it last week because it came out on the day we recorded and I hadn't watched it so I've watched it now and yes it it looks like a big old plate of vegetables Um, so I was was talking to Andrew Jones about this over the weekend Um, he was not a fan of Women Talking apparently the aspect ratio is like 2.7 to 1 um, it's like near hateful eight levels of black bars, um, and it, I, I don't know. It kind of feels like right. It's going to be a lot of talking. It's going to be a lot of vegetables. So how do we make it cinematic? I know. Basically, have it look like it's uh, literally uh, being viewed through a letterbox. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm dubious. I'm, re- I, I, I am. I'm just, I'm straight up. I'm dubious. Um, thankfully, we have had a me too adjacent film work for me this year, which I'll talk about later. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that women talking is gonna fall into the don't worry darlings of of the world for me, where. Not ne- I don't necessarily think it's going to be as disappointing as that film, but I, I just I I worry I'm I, like I I'm going to need it to smack me in the face at some point. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it just looks. Like, we shall yeah. see. 
Well, we will see on that one. Yeah, it's definitely a we'll see on that one. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've got anything else before we cover the one that was come out today. I don't think I do. Have you got any other ones? No, good. Yeah. Let's go. So, uh, posters came out yesterday as we record. Trailer came out today. Uh, Creed 3 is going to make a lot of money. Yes. Yes, it is. That is how you do one of these films where you respectfully move on from Rocky. Yes. You make it you make it about Creed. You acknowledge that Rocky has helped him. I hope to God that that shot of what looked like him at a funeral was not at Rocky's funeral. Um need Rocky to just not be in the film. Yeah. Um, it, it, it can be explained. it needs to be explained that he's, you know, it, it can be explained away really easy. Like, yeah. it can be, in, a, in a nice way it doesn't have to be he's too ill or anything like that um, it can be something as simple as Uncle Rock don't get involved in these things anymore mm. I mean so now you've got Jonathan Majors who just looks the most built and like but athletically so that anyone will ever be yeah. um, but the the great thing is, it almost feels like they've somehow tailored the physique to the character he's playing. Like, it, it's just this person who has had one mission for, like, literally, like, decades. And that is to essentially destroy Adonis Creed. Yeah. It's... It, it, the story feels very much like a like a, a boxing movie story, but it just he feels dangerous. Yes, in in that weird kind of Bane esque way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's like already I know that Creed is going to come out of the film. But I'm already looking forward to that journey and like how close he's gonna get to not coming out of it, you know. And and but yeah, I it is a great trailer. The posters are brilliant as well. Very very simple but very effective. Terrific trailer. Third um, of March twenty three. This is gonna make all the money and good on Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Be interested to see what he's going to be like as a as a director. Yeah, too right. I, I mean, like it looks well staged. It, yeah, um, it, it, look, it looks like a film. Yeah, and you know, Coogler's going to going to like be advising him every which way but loose. Oh yeah, I think fairly um, said he's one of the he's one of the producers, isn't he? I yeah. think he 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 co wrote the story. Yeah, great, great. Um, Really, really, really looking forward to doing a Rocky and Creed complete rewatch in like January, February time. Nice, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it yeah, one hundred percent happening, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, just that that that's a trailer that just like it grabs hold of you and is like you're gonna watch me. 
Mm. It just it, it looks it, like I say it grabs your attention. It, it's a really good trailer, but like I say it, it feels like right. It feels like a boxing movie, <laughs> which I, I know I've just said, but it just it like the story that's going. I'm going well, of, of course, of course, but yeah, fuck it, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, it looks good. It looks so good. Um, and I didn't have that kind of visceral reaction to the trailer for Creed, Creed 2. I enjoyed Creed 2, but I don't remember being like, holy shit, like I am with this. No, I think with Creed 2, there was that weirdness where it almost felt a little bit like, oh yeah, they're doing this, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was directed by someone who didn't really have any previous association with it. And yeah, like Sylvester Stallone was back, was in it again. But there was just something, yeah, not quite, there, yeah, it didn't, but the, yeah, like you say, it just didn't feel, yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I almost think that's maybe because it was very, very, very connected to Rocky and obviously Rocky Four. Um, so you kind of had that thing where it's like it's a Creed movie, but it's also a Rocky movie. This is no, it, I, and I mean, like Creed was like subtitled the Rocky Legacy, if I remember correctly. You know, so it was like it's re, you know, with Creed Three, it's like no, this is about. Adonis Creed and his life mm. and he is Adonis isn't he I'm not I'm not no, Adonis, yeah. quote it yeah um, and I, I just think that's incredibly exciting to have M- Michael B. Jordan be a filmmaker is very very cool like uh, that is yeah as well I I, I... Because we know that Stallone has his current problems with the producers of yeah. the Rocky films. Yeah. But he's been very much like he does a lot of these audience with things. Um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What is it? Does uh, Stallone. And in those he's been very, very like made sure that he said, I I am looking forward to Creed Three. I've seen bits of Creed Three. Michael's going to make an amazing movie. He has all my support. He's very much... This, is, this isn't this film. It isn't this guy. It's these guys that I have a problem with. Yeah. And so he will be out there going, championing this movie. Hell yeah. Can't wait. It's really, really something to just really look forward to for next year. Yeah. Okay, so have you have you got anything that you wanted to like? Have you seen anything by yourself this week? Uh, I've not, but I can do them. What we've been watching um, without Bex, if we get to it. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll start with me, and we'll see how we get on. Then is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, very briefly before I talk about LFF, um, I watched uh, Deadstream on uh, Shudder. Um, so uh, I got I got Shudder for the month because of dark glasses and because it's Halloween and whatnot. Sick. A lot of yeah yeah a lot of people really swear by Shudder and I can yeah. I can see why there's like a lot of interesting looking stuff on there. So um, it's only a fiver a month. So I don't know may, maybe I'll keep it going. But any, for yeah so um, I uh, yeah Deadstream. So this is directed by Joseph Winter, uh, uh, written by his himself and his wife. I think Vanessa Winter. I want to say yes. Um, and it also it stars him. Have you seen this? I've not seen it. No. No. Okay. So uh, basically, it it starts off and um, it's kind of introduced that essentially he's like a YouTuber who um, had been uh, take uh, deplatformed 
for something um and now he's back and he's he kind of just like does stupid stuff basically um and he's live streaming um himself basically exploring a haunted house um and uh what do you know it actually is <laughs> so um yeah, it, it, I, I, I quite, I quite enjoyed it actually. It, it takes a little while to get going. Um, it's kind of setting up some backstory stuff, and there's a lot of him being scared by, kind of like silly things. But once it gets going, um, I've heard people, including Noel, compare it to Evil Dead, and what it's got that thing where he's being terrorised by things that are just enjoying messing with him. <laughs> and, you know, that is something that's not really played all that much in horror films, you know. And I really enjoyed that and just kind of like the high-pitched kind of giggling kind of like thing, you know, and just the, the there's a bit where um, what uh, like this thing just like bites bites him on the balls. And like stuff like that, you know, it, it it it's kind of things that you you could actually imagine like maybe happening in if Evil Dead was made today. Um, it I think it actually could have done with a bigger budget. Um, it's there's only a couple of scenes where it really goes off, um, but the 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 arc of this guy is interesting as well because it. It, it it's doing the kind of the um, dash cam thing of uh, you see comments on the screen yeah. every now and then. Um, and um, it kind of reveals piece by piece. Um, so, yeah, no, the dog's not in there. Sorry, it kind of reveals piece by piece like what the, um, what the kind of the thing that got him deplatformed was. Um and that was interesting, and the, the the way that his arc goes from like apologizing to then being defiant, and then apologizing, and you know, like the whether you actually believe it or not, whether he's just doing it for the camera, is interesting. And the what is actually causing all this stuff, and how he tries to look to resolve it, nicely mirrors the idea of being a youtube celebrity and being an influencer um there there's some there's some fun thematic resonance there so i yeah i i enjoyed it it's like 85 minutes long um like i say that, that, that a little bit like, slow to start how long a movie like that should be yeah exactly yeah exactly you know and it, it it gets out while the game's good so i i'd, I'd recommend deadstream it's like a f- solid 3.5 out of 5 nice yeah. Um, okay. So um, yeah, LFF. So um, obviously, I covered three last week. Uh, no, two last week. Oh God, did I only cover two last week? No. The woman in the white car and subtraction. No. Right. I think I might have seven to go through. <laughs> strap so, in. Yeah. So strap in, folks. Yeah. Um, so I'll do this in order of me seeing them. Uh, so. Uh, I went to chapter in Cardiff to catch a partner screening before actually going to London and I watched Ali Abassi's Holy Spider. So uh, this is his follow-up to Border, 
which um, it got some notoriety a few years back, got an Oscar nomination for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a mad film. Did you, did you end up watching that? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's bizarre because that film, as weird as it is, feels like the film that he made he made to prove that he was a filmmaker even though it feels like a blank check um to then make this film which was actually his passion project it's kind of it's kind of bizarre um so this is based on a true life iranian serial killer of um sex workers um in the early noughties um and it is it kind of tells a parallel story of him um, going around and picking up these women and killing them, and you are seeing him basically strangle them in real time. Um, it is horrible, um, but absolutely it is effective and is not in any way um, uh, explo- feeling exploitative. It just it's like this this is this Um, you can tell the reason yeah yeah absolutely um and then also a a female reporter who in the first scene of her on screen um is trying to check into a hotel and the hotel staff are basically saying uh in in not not as many words you're an unmarried woman wanting to stay in a hotel no go away but then she reveals that she's a journalist and then it's like, oh, well, actually, a room just freed up. Um, so this film is basically about uh, aggressions against women, either societal or in the most extreme ways, but also how these extreme ways are almost supported by the the, the Iranian society. Which is um, kind of topical at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, which is very, very topical right now. Um, and it's a film that he was not not allowed to make in Iran, um, uh, and um, you can see why it's absolutely damning of the society and the culture. Um, I I I don't want to say how how the film develops, but it's very much of two parts, and the first part is shocking for like how like harrowing it is on a visceral watching this stuff level the second part is harrowing in terms of the way that society reacts to it which is played to a certain extent in the first part but then the second part really really goes for it um i thought it was a stunning bit of work um it feel it's it feels like an important film without going. I am an important film. Um, the the actress in it, whose name I will get up, she won Best Actress at Cannes, um, and she is she's great. The 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 lead woman. Um, she I, I want to get her, her name. I feel really bad. Um, uh. Zar Amir Abrahimi. Um, uh, 
it's not saying she won. Um, right, sorry, I'm doubting myself here now. She won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival, yeah? Yeah, yeah, she did. She yeah. did. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, so... Um, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I, I, I need to stop doubting myself on that. So, sorry, yeah. So, um, she's great. Like, the way that she has to deal with the just all these men but also women who have just been indoctrinated in the, into this society like so basically the serial killer is um is killing these women because he believes it's essentially he's doing god's work um they always do don't they? yeah yeah but then like the way that that's that that society inclu- including women in this society are like well yeah he is and we support we support what he's doing, and her trying to battle that, and just every single man that she she come, that comes across almost, but I mean crucially almost, but like has some sort of agenda which is against her or against women generally. Mm. Um, it it's suffocating, um, and it's very very effective. And it doesn't have a distribution deal in the UK, despite the fact that, you know, it played Cannes. She won a top award at Cannes. Still doesn't have distribution. It seems to happen, though, doesn't it, that? Yeah, it... it, it, Cannes, where they just... They do not... They they, they seem to struggle to get distribution for years, sometimes. Yeah, and I... I, I, They'll end up on Prime. mm, mm. It just... The thing is... Mubi have got quite a bit this year and I think Curzon do as well and it just kind of feels like do they just not have the budget to spare to give this distribution or something um and I, I yeah I don't know it this is the thing it was like it was it, it was introed by um I, I, I think I, I think she programs the films for chapter uh, this this woman who um she introed Tatan last year when I saw it there and she was saying like this is this could actually be one of the only opportunities you actually get to see this in the UK um, and I, I, I think that's a real shame it's not don't get me wrong it's not a crowd pleaser but it's a really really effective film that it, I don't know it just it gives you a spotlight on that society and what I will say when I talked about subtraction last week I was kind of I was saying that I, I found some of what was happening in it unbelievable, but then I didn't really know what that society, like what Iranian society was like, so maybe I shouldn't comment on that. Ho- Holy Spider kind of gave me confirmation that actually, do you know what? Like, that is just how is. that society seems to roll. So, you know, um, yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's very, very good. It's Holy Spider. It's a really, really tough watch, but it's good. Um, try and look out for it if I can yeah um, yeah you should um, so uh, my first film actually in London uh, not a tough watch uh, fast and feel love <laughs> so um, just um, Mark just IM, IMDB it and have a look at the poster all right, uh, where are we? Where's my IMDb? Fast and feel love. F- fast and feel love. Uh, 
All right, that, 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 that's saying some things. <laughs> yeah, so the tagline for this film is an action movie about daily life. Feel the speed, feel the love. The title treatment basically looks like a, a take on Fast and Furious. And yep. the title, which is an odd title, but is a play on Fast and Furious. Yeah. So, um, this is a... Uh, film from Thailand. Um, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. I'm genuinely not going to try and pronounce the um, the director, uh, the writer director's name. Yeah, um, the gentleman. Not blame you. Yeah, the gentleman who was introducing it at LFF with the director there um, had to apologise before trying it, and then after said, "Was that okay?" And the direct the director said yes. Um, but yeah. Um, to be fair, the IMDb summary actually sums it up quite well. When a world champion of sport stacking is dumped by his longtime girlfriend, he has to learn basic adulting skills in order to live alone and take care of himself. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you you would dig this, Mark. Um, so basically, it start it, it starts off um, with like a guide, a school guidance counselor, just talking to um, kids about what they want to what like what they want to do when they leave school, um, and uh, he's like, "Well, you know, I I want to do sports stacking," and the, the guidance counselor's like, "That's not a job. What you're talking about?" Um, so he meets a fellow student. Um, they start a relationship and then it kind of fast forwards in um, like 15 years and uh, they've, they've, they've been together all that time. He is a champion of sport stacking, which is essentially stacking cups and then like condensing them down into kind of like one big like stack of cups really quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of insane. Um, so she has a kind of like made it her life's mission to help him be better at this. So she does all the cooking, all the cleaning, like it takes care of absolutely everything so that he can have a spot in the house where he's got no interruptions. He doesn't have to think about anything else other than sports stacking. And then she realizes, well, that's not, my life is not really a life. What, you know, what the hell? And um, she dumps him. So then he like it says, he has to learn basic adulting skills. Um, but it's played with this overdramatic score. And it's like the, the film's introduction is, is the stuff I was talking about. But then it cuts to like 15 years later. And this kid walking out of this uh, like conference hall, going into his uh, going into his mum's car. And his mum just going like, what, what's wrong? And the kid's just like, he's the greatest I've ever seen. <laughs> he is our darkness, is the line. Um, and it's this guy who's just really good at this sports stacking stuff. So it plays like this sports movie where it's both him trying to break this, uh, like come top of this world chart of sport stacking times, while also being a sports movie about him kind of like, winning how to be a grown-up um but then it's also got like just a 
bunch of film references in it. There is a section where it dawns on you that it is being a piss take of um, a an Oscar winning film from a few years back. And I don't want to spoil it, but the dawning realization on the on the audience, including myself, was incredible. <laughs> um, there is a bit where a character talks about how they don't like sand because it's coarse and it gets everywhere, which I'm pretty sure is a reference to the the line the line in episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um, but it it's just fun. It's long. It's I think it's about two and a quarter hours long, and it it didn't need to be that. the The wrap up does take a fair bit of time, but oh god, and the end as well. It's these two cars going in separate directions, while the song in the background is talking about how it sounds really similar to another song from another film, and they can't, but they can't use the the, the words from that song. And it's just like a complete piss take of see you again at the end of Fast Seven. Um, it's bonkers, it um, but it's it's really yeah, it is. But it's really fun, and the relationship drama stuff in it does actually work. You do become invested in both the characters. Um, yeah, um, I don't know if this has distribution over here, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's really fun and the thing is the the programmer at the start was saying that um you know there were a lot of he was like the comedy programmer for the festival and he was saying it was very easy to find a lot of dark comedies with what's been happening over the last couple of years very hard to find something that's just light-hearted and fun and sweet so he was really happy when he found fast and feel love i'm gutted that i couldn't stick around for the q a because i would have loved to have had some insight on that but i needed to make my my next film um, but yeah, Fast and Feel Love, it's a real winner. I, I, I do um, feel like that that, that region, um, it, it, it's more famed for its, its action cinema and its quite dark thriller cinema. Yeah. But it often comes out with some great like little real world comedies as well. <laughs> it just, it's... I, 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 I think watched one not too long, like a few years ago, not too long ago. I watched one a, f- a few years ago. I cannot remember for life of me what it's called, but it's it's about a a guy who ends up accidentally running a a pawn shop, <laughs> and I mean like a pawn shop selling like oh wow pawn <laughs> toys and stuff like that. But it's like he he he, he, he starts running it like by accident. He's running a convenience store that he accidentally ends up converting into like the first sex shop in like his region. Sounds good, but he's really embarrassed about it. I, yeah, I it's it, it, like honestly, I th- I I kind of think anyone listening to this will get some sort of a kick out of it. Um. Yeah, really, really big fan. Really big fan. Uh, so that's Fast and Feel Love. Uh, so, next. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go relatively quick on this one. So, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Uh, so, this is a f- documentary 
adaptation of uh, the um, uh, book from a few years back, which um, basically covers New York City kind of indie music in the early noughties. It's a very, very me period of music. Um, And so I really enjoyed it. If it is not your period of music, you do not need to watch it. It doesn't necessarily offer anything new in terms of documentary filmmaking. Um, it's basically all archive footage with some kind of like new, newly recorded interviews as like voiceover. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's basically about the like the 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 strokes lcd sound system interpol um uh the aas uh like that that them basically um some pretty um revealing stuff about interpol and how much they their their kind of like initial uk tour sucked because they basically self-financed it and all like they'd only have like a dozen people turn up and all anyone would ask them was do you know the strokes um <laughs> Um, and um, I think I went to that tour at the lead, the, the show they did in uh, Sheffield, I believe. If it, yeah, it, I mean, like if it was uh, the one promoting their first album, it would be that. Um, yeah, it was just, like they just sounded like miserable talking about it. Um, it also is uh, very clear that it doesn't like Ryan Adams, and Julian Casablancas does not like Ryan Adams. Um, not surprise me. No, um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, again, I'll, I'll. If you're into that period, you'll enjoy it. If if um, if you're not, you don't need to watch it. End of. Uh, went down well with the uh, with the audience that I was watching it with. Um, they all people, slight film festival thing of people over enjoying things. Yeah, theatrically. Um, and there was some stuff in there that was getting a lot of laughs. So it was just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, shut up. Um, but, um, yeah. They, they, but uh, they, And specifically about James Murphy from LCD Sound System, who apparently is a bit of a prick um, and uh, just seems like a weird dude. And, like, there was, yeah, but, like, he was doing some stuff in it that didn't really necessitate that amount of laughter. But anyway, there you go. So, um, next... Um, I watched uh, She Said. So, um, uh, I, I think we'll full, we'll full review this at, at the end of the month. Um, and, and yeah, um, so, I, you know, we talked about the trailer. I've been saying, like, a little bit worried about it being vegetables. Like, worried about kind of, like, the look of it. Uh, my, my kind of verdict on it, I suppose. Um, it's not vegetables. Um... I think it's really flatly shot. It's not very cinematic. Um, But the subject matter is compelling. The performances are very, very strong across the board. Um, Like, like really strong. Jennifer L or Ellie um, 
I can never know how to pronounce her name. She's very, she's very good. Samantha Morton has one scene and just crushes it. Is she playing herself? Mm-mm. Is she not right? No. Um. Uh. But yeah, she is great. Um. Zoe Kazan is fascinating because. It, it it's like she's this uh she's this uh, uh mother of two who kind of looks like she wouldn't say boo to a goose but she's just got so much strength and then Carrie Mulligan is kind of like she's almost kind of like playing the uh um she almost kind of brings it out of her um and Mulligan gets like a couple of fantastic just like going off on people scenes nice. um yeah, no, it's great. Oh, God, there's this one bit where she's having a go at this guy in a bar, which is just... I, I thought it was ace. Um, I I don't know how much impact this is going to have on people who aren't that, like, bothered about films. Like, what, like how well this actually does commercially, I think, is very, very up in the air. Um I was talking. I was talking to Brad Porter about it, and it, it's like I agree with him where he was saying that like it kind of feels like if you if you're not really familiar with the Harvey Weinstein thing, how yes, okay, the, what he was doing is going to be impactful, but is the like the 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 film itself going to be impactful? I I I am a little up in the air about that. I thought I thought it was great. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if other people have a lesser reaction to it. Um, it was like when I, looking at the reactions out of the New York, York Film film Festival a few days before I saw it, it was like, it, it all seemed to be a lot of, blah, blah, blah is very good and she said, blah, but not necessarily saying that she said is very good. I think she said is very good. Um, I, I, I think it, it works. And it ends at the absolute perfect point. Uh, it also has a very, very good kind of almost like prologue that sets uh, sets the characters up and gives you more insight into them, and that helps you like get through the the, the film as well. Um, it's do I think a be- a, a better fil- like movie could have been could have been made of it? Maybe yeah. Do I absolutely respect and that uh, this film and absolutely think that it's done a great job in what it's doing? Also, yeah. Um, like I say, I, I don't think it's vegetables. Nice. Damn that. So I, yeah. I, I was looking forward to it. I'm more looking forward to it now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, she said comes out um, like 24th of November, I think. Uh, okay. So uh, I've got two more. <laughs> So, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So, uh, this hits cinemas next month and then is on Netflix early December. Um, and yeah, so, um, not, not much was really kind of known about this bit uh, before this. This was the, uh, the world premiere of it, which was, which was something. Um, and, uh, this film is incredible um it's so good uh so it's the story of pinocchio but changes some things up but feels 
perfectly fine in doing so. Uh, it is set in um, Italy uh, around the rise, uh, well, the, the reign of Mussolini. All right. um, the first 10 minutes is essentially a prologue uh, which details um, Geppetto growing up with his son and how his son died, um, which is del Toro del Toroing, um, and that continues through the film, but not for me, not distractingly so. Um, Geppetto drunkenly cries at the grave of his son. Um, to like basically bring him back, um, and the the blue fairy of the film essentially just like reacts to his drunken plea. Um, <laughs> when Pinocchio, when Pinocchio is revealed, Geppetto is freaked out and doesn't like him and wants him to be his little boy, but his little boy is gone. Pinocchio is his own person. And Del Toro was talking at the start about how in this film he wanted to show how disobedience can be a virtue. So you have that here where Pinocchio is like being his own person and gets into trouble but learns from it. And is not necessarily guided by Geppetto. And, you know, Geppetto and Pinocchio, uh, you know, learn to love each other through, through, through the film. But there's difficulty there. Um, the, um, is it Paradise Island? Like the, the kind of like the fairgroundy thing that they um, go to in the Disney ones? I think it's something like that, yeah. yeah something like is, that, yeah. yeah. So uh, that, in this, um, is a uh, training camp for young boys um, being forced into war. <laughs> so, that, so Del Toro's really going for it, then? Yeah, but it's great, and it makes sense. It, it, it's how, if you're going to adapt Pinocchio... You know, uh, Matteo Garone a couple years back did it through like very, very visceral makeup and just like the sheer bloody hell visually of it all. And I think that's absolutely valid. What Del Toro has done has just like taken the spirit of Pinocchio. It feels like Pinocchio, it, but it feels like Guillermo Del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, and it it just it is just an incredible vision character designs rule um voice acting i thought i i, I thought was cracking lovely score by alexandra Desplat. um and uh yeah just a really really wonderful piece of work i think others including yourself might not be as taken with it but I, I I think it's pretty undeniable that at the very least it's an it, it's a good film. Zemeckis will watch this and be embarrassed, or at least he should be. I mean, yeah, Zemeckis should be embarrassed the fact that his Pinocchio exists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, I hope this... Disney look at it and just go, ah, 
fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. This is how you do it. Good, just good on Guillermo del Toro, like it, it, and good on Netflix as well. You know, for for bankrolling the thing, um, because apparently, like nobody else would, and he actually said that at the start. And um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 a fantastic film, and it feels like one where kids of a certain persuasion are going to watch it and go, right, that's what I want to do with my life. Nice. It, it honestly, it it kind of feels like that. It's not going to be for the younger kids. You know, def, de, you know, definitely kind of like maybe getting into your double figures in terms of age. Uh, it looks like the prospective rating on it is a 12. They they were saying they're not letting anyone under 12 in. Um, and I could see why. Um, it's very, very matter of fact about death. Um, and, and there's some, you know, there's some dark stuff in it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, It'll be in my top ten at the end of the year. I wasn't really expecting that either, um, but it, it's—I think it's an incredible bit of work. So there you go, Pinocchio. Um, and then my last one is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. <laughs> so, uh, how, how, how is, much can you say about this? <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to be difficult. Um, I. I I feel like people have been intimating things uh, already on film Twitter where it's like, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, so this is getting a theatrical in the UK and the US Thanksgiving weekend, then comes out on Netflix December 23rd. Um, watching this with your family a little bit pissed on Christmas Day night will actually be one of the most perfect things you could ever do. Um, so this... Um, story is um, people are invited to spend the weekend um, at Edward Norton's island where he has planned a murder mystery there you go that's that's what I'm going to say about the plot um, there were times in this film where I was thinking hmm that's not very elegant and then Ryan Johnson goes, fuck you, I know. Uh. <laughs> but so it's quite I can't though. say, yeah, I can't say in a look at me kind of way because I'm thinking these things. But it's like he knows that you could be thinking these things and then plays on what you're thinking. <laughs> it's like the film is telepathic. Uh, it, it it was kind of eerie, like honestly, like how it just kind of like answered my hmm questions about it. Um, it is very, very, very entertaining, which is what you want from it. It's, you just want to be entertained. It's really long, isn't it? Didn't feel it legit did not fit it's about two and a quarter yeah it didn't fit it didn't feel long i'll say that there's a lot in this film but it didn't feel long um there are things in it which sight unseen not knowing anything about them were just like that's fucking brilliant both in terms of plot characters dialogue um, and it looked amazing. 
Um, I saw it in Dolby. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in Dolby Cinema. Um, I looked it up. So it was in a Dolby Cinema uh, uh, capable uh, environment. Um, uh, the, the sound mix was Dolby Atmos. And it looked, it was shot on film. And it just looked so nice. Ooh, did he shoot it on film? Yeah. Ooh, nice. Oh, oh Ryan Johnson has gone, uh, and again, talking to Brad about it after, he's basically gone, right, give me that 400 million, and I'm going to fucking burn your money, but in the most fun way, and you are going to thank me for it. <laughs> um, it's... It's 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 cracking. Janelle Monet is very very good in this. Kate Hudson, basically every single fucking line that she has is great. Um, she's really really good in this. Ed Norton, like just just the 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 best casting for that particular role. Um, I think there are maybe too many characters in it. There is a character in it who kind of feels like is there just to make up numbers and to make you think, oh, maybe that one's doing something, but then they're not. And it's like, why are you there then? Um, And yeah, just it is very, very self-aware without ever actually kind of like saying, look how clever I am. Um, it's it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a win. I Pinocchio was was my favorite of of my festival overall. Um, like like us, there, there's just yeah. Um, there's something in Glass Onion where it's just like right, okay, literally amend that slash remove that. I think I can actually go five out of five. You've constructed a perfect sequel. Nice. Um, It is very, 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 very strong. And I sincerely recommend that people go to see it in the cinema because it deserves to be seen on a big screen. It'll be a fucking fantastic film to see with friends or with a date. Um, And before anything gets spoiled for you. Yeah. There's there's a lot of really good fun stuff in this. Um and I don't think I've alluded to any of it. <laughs> you've been very yeah, you you've been very spoiler free with that one. Yeah, yeah, it it like seri- like I'm very very I went for a coffee with Brad after and I'm glad so I could actually talk to someone who had seen it. <laughs> Um, but I like Donna wants to go and see it in the cinema, so I, we're we're gonna go. I I'll watch it in the cinema again. Absolutely no bloody problem. Wouldn't be surprised if I watched it on Netflix again before we do year end. Nice. It's really really like seriously. It just like fair play to Ryan Johnson. It is really really good, and I honestly this third one like it's gonna be so much fun to see what actually happens there um that shoot that like late early on next year don't they? yeah I, I you know i i i think it will probably be out in a couple of years time so yeah. i'd imagine they probably yeah 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 um yeah um yeah okay no no i'm done i'm not gonna say anything else so uh yeah there you go um 
a very, very, very strong festival. The least I rated a film was three out of five, and that was The Woman in the White Car. Um, that and Subtraction are the only ones that I rated under a four out of five. It was a very, very strong festival for me. Nice. That's good when that happens. Yeah, hell yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, what, what what should we cover now? You're here, right, Ibex? I am. I'm sneaky. Hey, Ibex, you all right? Yeah, good. How are you? Good, good. Been talking about really, really good films, so I'm pretty amped. Well, should, we, should we do what, our what we've been watching and then we'll sure. do our main reviews? <laughs> Can do, yeah. What have you already covered? Just out of interest. Everything but what we've been watching, what we've been watching, and uh, Dark Glasses and Halloween Ends. So basically, just I just I just monologued for about <laughs> yeah, I just monologued for about half an hour. But bit, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good though. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we we rewatched Cabin in the Woods. Didn't we, we did. We did indeed. Because uh, I've had I've had my finger over that on my my iTunes library. Well, yeah. the thing is, you really like Cabin in the Woods, don't you? Bex? I do. Um, and I liked Cabin in the Woods when we saw it. We double billed it at the cinema with The Raid, didn't we? I think we did actually, yeah. 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 Cause I think we went to see a like like a sky screening or something like that of this and then went to The Raid afterwards. Sounds about right. Or yeah. the other way around it might have been. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods, just to say, last film I saw on 35mm, and I'm so fucking glad because the one before it was The Iron Lady. Yes, I'm like, glad. Yes, you should yeah, be glad yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, fucking right. Yeah, but then when we went... Because you rewatch it fairly regularly, don't you? I have up until recently. I think the, the weed and tarnish has stopped me from watching it more recently. But then I'm I'm just willing to go. No, it's not his film. He didn't direct it. I'm fine with it. No, he didn't. He only, I think he only co-wrote it. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Um, and you can tell the bits that he wrote. Then the mm. bits that are really quite boring. Um, but when I rewatched it, I I really didn't like it. You did not. No, I I, I found it a, a slog. Contrived and too long and just just stupid. Yeah, and. <laughs> And I, I think I'm still in. I'm still a little bit in in this of like American. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna do the podcasting fucking thing. You shouldn't do and use the bunny ears thing. American geekdom obsession with proving how much how cool they are and how much weed that how much they like weed is a little bit. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I find it a little bit childish now. There's only one like that. But, yeah, but he is literally like the superpower is that he has weed. It's nice. It makes him it makes him uncontrollable and makes him not susceptible because of his weed. Yeah, yeah. So it is a little bit like his superpower. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't mind it as much this time. I quite I, I enjoyed it a lot more this time. It is too long. Mm. Uh, it is very interesting, but focuses too often on bits that aren't that interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think a little bit, it, it doesn't quite stick the landing at the end. Yeah, the the ending's weak. The, the, the thing is, the strongest bit about this film for me is when they go down into the underground layer. 
and you see all the different monsters that they could have got had they picked something else in the basement or cellar or whatever they call it um and all the different iterations of the monsters that's that's kind of cool and it takes kind of too long to get there and then just rushes it a bit you see yeah. them in passing. You see, the thing is there, I like all of the bureaucracy bits that you've got um, with uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. Yeah. I like all of those bits. Once it's kind of like... I think once you've got like all... Uh, uh, like that big splurt of everything, you know, being unleashed upon the, the SWAT team. That's funny though, and it's just wave after wave coming out of the elevators. That's fine, but then everything after that, you're kind of going, this is so boring. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with you. Well, you're wrong. Um, so yeah, so but, I, but I, I got on with it a lot better this time. I would say long enough has passed, Ian, that a rewatch could be quite fun, especially in the October. In spooky season. Fuck you. <laughs> Do you love that he finally gets to meet a merman? No, because that merman's fucking grim. Yeah, but it's meant to be, that's the point. I don't know, like, but... chows down on him and then a lot of blood comes out, it's blowhole. It's hole. still fucking grim. Yeah. I liked the unicorn stabbing someone. Yeah. And the toothy-faced ballerina, she's creepy as fuck. Yeah, anything tooth-faced, yeah, it's quite creepy. And then we went to watch a, a retro screen, didn't we? Of we did. The Lost Boys. Yeah. With an introduction from uh, Alex Winter. And the magical screen at the Parkway as well. At, at, at Parkway, yeah. Um, it's... I mean, it, it, it's Lost Boys. Like, they say too much about it, do we? Because it's the Lost Boys. Fucking banger. It's a very fun, very entertaining film. It both fucks and slaps. It does both fuck and slap, yeah. I, I, one thing I, I do love about Lost Boys is... It very much is a film that kind of gets it, gets its shit done, and gets the fuck out. Yeah, it it's, really isn't. It long, is it? a pacey as fuck yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, but watching it, watching like movies that you have are very familiar with, um, that you are watching for the first time on a big screen, it is always quite a weird. You've seen them slightly differently. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Even ones that you've watched, you know, I, I, I've seen Lost Boys into double figures. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you appreciate certain bits of it even more. Um, and just like, there's shots where it's going from, there's a lot of like, uh, like aerial shots. And... Um, that are clearly helicopter shots, and then there's a lot of ones that are crane shots. Yeah. But the the seamless way that it, it goes from one into the other, mm. it is so fantastically done. And then there's an actual there's a shot where you're coming from outside through and into like essentially the lair, the the, the fucking vampire lair that they have. Yeah, yeah. Which now would just be done with drones. Mm. And there's all this, um, like, directors and, and, and cinema viewers are really impressed by, like, these fucking, these long drone shots that go through things. And we are impressed by them. And that's not a, I'm not having a go at people here. Mm. But it's like, 
it, it's quite easy with a drone. You basically program it on a fucking computer and then you press play and it fucking goes. Yeah, there's a lot of skill and creativity. The skill, yeah, yeah, the creativity the and the craft and the time, mm-hmm. the effort that goes into this. The, the, the shots this still look, that look just as fucking good as any drone shot. This film could be released now with a few adjustments to clothing and hairstyles. No, it could, it could be released now. Bang, just release it as a a period piece. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't look dated in how it's made or anything. No, it's it's it, it's a phenomenally shot movie. I was, uh, Michael Chapman, who also shot, I believe, yeah, it was Hal Ashby's um, DOP. Yeah, um, Taxi Driver as well. And Raging Bull. So it's just... It's such an ingenious way to to kind of... To to have shot a movie. I was really quite taken back by it. And the fucking... It's got a great soundtrack (laughs) as opposed to score. That man with the saxophone will never not make me laugh. Yes. It is... Um, he's fully fucking invested though in that song well yeah he, he, he is I, I, I saw a thing a while ago saying um, one of these um, absolutely nobody Joe Schumacher this needs a fucking half naked sax man <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is he's right yeah. that movie needed a half naked sax man thing is though Rag on Santa Carla all you like it looks like a fucking hopping place apart from you know the vampires yeah Great fucking ending to a movie as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, an all-time great fucking closing line of a movie. Yeah. One thing I could never get, get stand really about Santa Carla, all the damn vampires. He's fucking great, actually. I think the older I get, the more I appreciate him. <laughs> yeah, you kind of side with He's it. He's the crotchety old person I aspire to be. Yeah. Um, and then we rewatched the Halloween movies, didn't we? Not all of them. Yeah, just the... Just fucking Halloween and Halloween kills. Yeah. Um, what did you think of them on rewatch books? See, I I really liked Halloween when it first came out, mm-hmm. and then really liked it on rewatch, and then yeah, really liked it again on this rewatch. And I think I, I said to you tonight, the whatever its flaws may be it feels like a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you putting your finger up at me for? I thought you were about to put kills. Alright, I won't. I was just going to give my view on Halloween first. Um, no, I think it's good. You've got the you've got the older cast playing off the younger cast and Halloween movies need a focus on a younger cast. They are teen slasher movies and yep. they need to not forget that. And... I think the young people in this are engaging enough that it's like a new generation of fodder for Michael Myers. I also really like the way that it's just like, Laurie's all like, oh my God, he's so obsessed with me. Why are you so obsessed with me, Michael? But in reality, he just fucking isn't. He's put on a course. He he wasn't going anywhere fucking near her until that doctor took her out there. Took him out there. I know, exactly. Um... He was just going back to his house. Mm-hmm. So this whole narrative that she's built in her head this whole time that... It's Michael, all about me. Yeah, that Michael's just in prison, just obsessing about getting the one that got away. 
He fucking doesn't give a shit. He wants to kill people. He don't care who. And if he needs to throw a handful of teeth at someone, that's that's all, you know, to the good. I find it's quite an effective way of getting people to do things. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what my only problem I have with this movie is? Is it Jamie Lee Curtis's hair? Alright, my two problems I have with this movie. <laughs> One is yes, it's Jamie Lee Curtis's hair. <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry. My other major problem... Well, there's three. Jamie Lee Curtis's hair... Judy Greer constantly saying the phrase, this is my childhood, about everything. What the fuck are all these guns? This is my childhood. Fuck off, Judy. <laughs> yeah. there is, Judy there Greer is... can say whatever she wants. Hush your mouth. There is, it is no coincidence that she is called Karen in these films. <laughs> my other... She's but, irritating my, as fuck. My one major... It's incredib- can I just say, it's incredibly annoying that there is a woman in my work who kind of looks like J- Judy Greer, and she is the one person in, like, my... I know in my with my employer who I don't like, <laughs> and it really that, annoys that's me. That's the that universe she kind, fucking with you. <laughs> she kind kind of looks like Judy Greer, like not enough to put me off Judy Greer, but just it annoying. Anyway, move on. <laughs> what's the what's the main thing that annoys me? Go on. It's boring. I don't I disagree. It's boring. It's 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 boring for such a long amount of the runtime. Well, it it's, has a boring patch, yeah. It's really that. boring. Mm. <laughs> That's my issue. Is yeah, it's boring. <laughs> it's not boring. So kills. Now we didn't get on with kills first time round, did we? No. How did you get on with it this time? It's just not a Halloween movie. I agree with you there. It's not a Halloween movie. It's it's just a movie about a bunch of boomers getting aggravated by stuff. It ain't, there's not there's not enough of what makes a Halloween movie a Halloween movie. Yeah, you yeah, have a wild time with Halloween ends. Ah, well, I am I I have thoughts on this. I have thoughts on Halloween ends. Oh, bless you, I have thoughts. I know. Amazing. Um, right. I actually really enjoyed Halloween Kills this time round. Hell yeah, I good film. I rewatch, but it isn't a Halloween movie. I, I enjoyed it, but I it agree. isn't a Halloween movie. I agree that it's not a Halloween movie as such. It is... It's trying to have the social commentary of a Romero movie with the grim violence of the uh, Rob Zombie Halloween movies. So it almost feels more like a sequel to those but mm. by somebody who is more interested in like social issues that Rob Zombie's not interested in. He's just going, look at this. Do you, do you, the thing is, I, I have no issue with... Uh, horror is... is it very firmly has its feet planted in political messaging. I know what I it just does. And I love that. I love that it can, it can have a commentary on an issue without smacking you over the head with the issue. This... Fucking beats you over the head with a baseball bat. Literally. Well, yeah. And it, it's not subtle. It's not clever. I appreciate the message that it's trying to get across about... That this... evil dies tonight. A very subtle and clever message. Fucking... Oh, God. got got so sick of hearing that. Did you... Uh, can I just ask, in Halloween Ends, did you guys like Love Lives Today? I did enjoy that on the wall, yeah. It was good. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Sorry. Did you see that graffiti? Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, I, um, oh, I forgot where I was going. 
Sorry. No, it's all right. It, it, it's just too heavy-handed. I, yeah, that was it. I appreciate the message about the misinformation and the hysteria of crowds and mob mentality and blah, blah, blah. But it's not It's not presenting it in a, oh, we're going to make a horror movie about this and it's going to be clever, but it really means this. It's just fucking putting it there. And that poor man that's forced to jump out the window. Yeah, I mean, granted, like, he's obviously done something because he's in a, in a uh, uh, institution for the criminally unwell yeah Yeah. um so yeah he's probably not great but he's not michael myers bad is he 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 looks a little bit like like he looks like he's fucked his grandma or something like that and then killed her she probably loved it i don't think she did i just just felt really sorry for him like he's he's evidently terrified and judy greer realizing fuck i kind of created this this that the that little patch from there to the end of this movie is the only bit out of the two movies that I enjoy of Judy Greer. I I enjoyed Kills this time around. Mm. I I did actually get on with it. I I, I saw the... um, I thought Anthony Michael Hall's character actually had a little bit about him. Whereas I didn't think in the first time around, I thought it was a little bit too on the nose and maybe it's because we're a little bit removed from the situation that he's trying to ape at the time mm, that, that, that yeah. that's why it sat with me a little bit better um, I, again I think it's too long uh, it gets a little bit boring at points but my my major issue with this one is Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking shit in it yeah she's not good in this at all um, whereas she's fine in the other one and I like Jamie Lee Curtis as mm. a screen presence, but I think she's actively she's bad in this. Mm. Um, but yeah, but let's let's move on. Can I say one other massive issue that I had with kills? What? Michael's not like Michael in this. He's a lot more animated. He's a lot more sadistic. Yeah, which is why I'm saying it's a bit more like the Rob Zombie one. Right, but it's not a sequel to the Rob Zombie one. Right. I'll get into this when we talk about ends. Okay. Because I have a theory on this. Just to clarify, I don't dislike it, but it's not a, ho- it's not a Halloween movie. Okay. And the body isn't Michael Myers as we have come to expect him. Okay. So it just doesn't count. Okay. That was it. That's what we've got. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one is a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, I was like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts.
Um, hey, Hannah, you know, I think you really can't be a good rewatch of a TV show. Would you agree with that, love? Oh, yes, I would. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think during, you know, global pandemics, storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely nothing like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you could sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. Uh, that Netflix. doesn't make you a weird person uh, at all. It doesn't. Yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show of or a, a franchise. Beloved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings. Twin Peaks. From VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks, cut out of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and, I don't know, Smallville. <laughs> Farscape. Quantum Leap. To giving up finding new content on Netflix and just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation or... Parks and Recreation. I think that we can all agree... There's a lot to be said for that. You can't beat a good rewatch. So, with that in mind, join... Anna. ...and Mike from Chinstroke vs. Panzer as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for The Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be, or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash rewatch project. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts. Well, let's get into it then, shall we? Yes. Halloween ends. It's directed by... David Garden Green. Don't know why I said it like that at all. And it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichek, James Jude Courtney as the dreamy Corey, um, and others. So Halloween ends. All spoilers all the time. Um, I mean, okay. Uh, IMDb says the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine-chilling climax in this final instalment of this trilogy. I mean, the the, the last fifteen minutes of the the film um, detail the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode coming coming to the end. Um, I mean, it's it's a hell of a bait and switch. Is all the marketing for Halloween ends. Um, so, essentially, the story is it follows Courtney... Uh, no, sorry, uh, Corey, played by James Jude Courtney, a uh, new character to the uh, series who um, uh, has fallen on hard times after uh, being involved in the accidental death of a child. A little um, shit. I mean, a little dickhead. If you've got small children, having stares like that is just irresponsible anyway. You say they were asking for it about yeah, like, having an ostentatious staircase. Yeah, absolutely. Fair play. You know, that kid trips. When they're going to get smacked in the face with a dog. Well, no, but I'm saying if that kid trips and doesn't get smacked in the face, the same thing could happen. So you're saying it's an inevitable. Yeah. Right, fair enough. Just irresponsible stares. 
Um, they are irresponsible stairs. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, Michael's been uh, missing for years because at the end of Halloween Kills, apparently he just walks off and hides. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, yeah, I, I, God. Um, so it, it, it yeah. Um, and yeah, Michael's gone missing, but then um, some sort of weird psychic connection thing happens between Corey and Michael, and it seems to give Michael fresh blood while also uh, making Corey uh, become weirdly very, very attractive to Alison, played by Andy Matichik, who just constantly looks like she wants to jump his bones. She's like, a thirsty bitch in this film. Um, it's It's... Right, yeah, I mean, here you go. The Halloween ends. Right, this film, you know something is different with this film, where in the opening credits, it's basically using the font from Halloween 3 um, in, instead of uh, the traditional stuff. And this film just feels odd right from the start. Sorry, and I know I'm starting here, but this is a bizarre film but it weirdly feels in keeping when you think about how odd Halloween's 4 and 5 are when you compare them to Halloween 1, except this is a trilogy conceived by the same people as the first Halloween in this series. Mm. Bonkers. Becky, what did you think? Yeah, I kind of agree. It fits into the Halloween franchise, but mm. none of this trilogy fit together. Now, I have a theory behind this. Go on. If I could jump across you slightly, if that's all right. I'm used to it. Him jumping across you? It's uh, just taking over the conversation. Chinese food. Right, okay. No, no, go on. Uh, right. So, when it was David Gordon Green and Diamond McBride came out and said that they were doing three they were, they were doing a Halloween movie and then it became that they were doing a trilogy of Halloween movies which were supposed to take place over one night yeah everyone assumed that they were going to do a, that it was a part of a like an idea they had mm. as three movies now what they've done is they have co-written them and they've always brought along somebody who is very much more from the horror genre along with them to write them mm. Um, I, the thing there is I don't think I think once they ditch the idea of a trilogy I don't, I don't think they've had an idea as a trilogy I don't think that Diamond Bride and David Gordon Green ever had this real urge to write a great Halloween trilogy I, I think that they just went do you know what we could make some good Halloween movies and it was it would be a good creative and a good business decision for their production company. Yeah. The thing is, about Halloween ends, and what, and what you were just saying there, Bex, is um, Halloween ends is a Halloween sequel. Mm, yeah. It's a Halloween sequel. It's not. It's not technically part of a trilogy. It's just a Halloween sequel. But if they presented so why, it as making yeah. a trilogy, 
right, but, but there you go. So what? They fooled everybody and made, in my opinion, the best of the three fucking movies by a long fucking, fucking hell. Day. Wow. Okay. I get it. The thing is, I don't agree with that, but I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint. It's more interesting than either of the two fucking movies by a long fucking way. Yeah. It, it kills is my favourite. Because I like how just fucking brutal it is and how it is like kills is the one that feels like it's got the most on its mind about society. And it's just like it's not sledge it's sledgehammer to a walnut, it's like broken glass bottle to a fucking plastic bag. It's like it, it, you know, and that film I appreciate just how Bloody hell, this is full on. That film is. Like, just generally. The thing is with ends, I just... I I don't like Corey. I, people people have said James Drew Courtney is good. I, think, I, I, I don't think he's very good in this. I think Andy Matichek, Alison as a character, is completely... What? It's Rowan Campbell. Oh, James Drew Courtney's The Shape. I'm yeah. so sorry. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. But no, regardless, like that guy, the guy, Andy Matichik, like the Allison character is just so inconsistent. Again, like, I mean, the, 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 sorry, because I, I know I've kind of taken over here. I've jumped across as such. The, the, the thing is with the first Halloween they were talking about how it's like, a, you know, kind of like a reaction to kind of like the whole, to Me Too. And it's like these women doing this together. And there's there's that whole kind of aspect to it. And then the second one is about society and how, like, you know, vengeance is, like, mob mentality isn't good. And Halloween Ends is, like you say, it just feels like a Dimension-produced Halloween sequel from the 90s which has got legacy characters in it it doesn't really know what to do with them yep. but I, I I respect that in some way it is a bizarre homage to films that no one particularly asked for a homage to but there are a few people going Michael Myers in a sewer that's like the start of Halloween 5 yeah let's go I was like that Part of it was because I was like, all right, I get to spend time with other people that aren't fucking Laurie Strode. Yeah, and I think like by using the um, Season of the Witch vibes, it sets its stall out as not being... Right, you know how Season of the Witch is really batshit and doesn't really connect to anything else? Yeah, we're going down that route. Mm. And so it gets away with it a little bit from that point of view. One thing that's interesting, actually, um, you know, I said to you afterwards it was giving me real christine vibes yeah so on the trivia for imdb it says cory cunningham is a new character inspired by arnie cunningham from christine when we are introduced to cory in halloween ends he is shown to have a similar haircut an identical blue button-up shirt and a pair of black glasses reminiscent of arnie's in christine yeah he, he has a very christine but arnie from christine vibe yeah even though, even like the minor glow-up that he gets once he realizes that he can be a bit of a murdery bastard <laughs> yeah and the the, the the bike thing and the yeah. working at, you know a lot of it being set at the scrapyard kind of vibe so yeah it's like just that. it's it 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, and the thing, it just, it's incredible because, like, the, the, the films, uh, the filming was delayed uh, because of COVID, and it feel like I say, like originally it was supposed to be like a one long night kind of thing, and this just feels like for some reason, just during COVID, they were like, Do you know what, fuck it, let's just bin that last film. What's the weird? What? Like, what is the most left field thing we could do now? And it. To be fair, it is kind of this. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, like, if the relationship between Corey and Allison was uh, better played, I think I, I think I could deal with it. If if I like the, the performance of the gentleman who played Corey, I think I could deal with it more. If it wasn't for the fact that, like, the whole film is about Corey, 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 and then what happens to Corey? He kills himself. It's like, now you're never going to have her. And then ten minutes later in the film... She has. She's got Alison back. And and then it does the obligatory, okay, we've got to kill Michael somehow. But then that last 15 minutes, I enjoyed that. Michael picking up Laurie and throwing her across that kitchen. Great. Laurie, like, pinning him down with those knives and all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Them doing that procession through the town and then just throwing him in a mulcher. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I yeah, no, that's the... I, I, I did not hate this film my, my only my only bit about that i do is, not think it's a good film <laughs> my only bit Sorry. about that is that that laurie then actually just essentially just grasses of the town by putting it in her book that they did that yeah oh yeah no no fuck it but the thing sorry and i, I will shut up but it, it just this film i've got two more things and i swear i'm not going to say anything else until we get to ratings right this film is not a good film but I enjoy it in the way that I enjoy a Halloween sequel. So, you know, I, actually, I'll give my rating now and I'll just shut up. Touching cloth. I am touching cloth on it. Uh, you know, and I, I could see me enjoying it more in the years hence. Also, along with Smile, I saw this in the most extra way maybe possible. I saw this in Dolby Cinema and I have a question and then I'm going to shut up. Did you? Because I I need to know whether this was just how good the projection was, or whether you saw this. There is a shot where the nurse comes out of you know. So it's the doctor, the doctor and the nurse. They're in his house. She comes out. She's walking along on the right, and to the left, in the darkness, is Corey killing the doctor. Did you guys see that? Yes. Right. Okay. Never mind. That projection's maybe not as good with the contrast as I thought it was. I'm now going to be quiet. Touching cloth. But you guys liked it more and fucking A. I do enjoy the fact that it also brought back the the kind of dumb slutty bimbo trope that's that's often in horror movies that is, is missing from the first two of these quite self-serious ones before this. Oh, it, 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 the... it leans into some horror tropes like yeah. a motherfucker, doesn't it? And I'd just like to say... The overbearing I... mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you can't afford Lynchay but you want a Lynchay tie. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh... Oh, that's what I was going to say. Laurie got her hair done. The fact they make something of that, the fact they make Frank, it like Frank's a... Frank's got a piece. Frank's got hair. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have hair in the other two. And they're just having a cute little romance. 
Mm. Oh, that's going to be some weird sex, isn't it? Oh, it's cute, though. Oh. Let them have their old person sex in Japan. Wanna, no. Got to look at the cherry blossoms. No. <laughs> no, the world doesn't need that. No, I, 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 it's batshit. And it, it's, it's not... It's not a final part of the trilogy that the first one thought the trilogy was going to be but then the second one doesn't fit either so as three totally disconnected movies i would say this is probably my favorite out of the three do, do you know what though I, I i would much prefer to have halloween kills and halloween ends than the trilogy that we might have got mm. that was as Boring as fucking Halloween. I don't think Halloween's boring, as as you as boring as you're making it out to be. It's so boring. I think the reason I dislike Halloween Kills is because everyone fucking annoys me in that. It's it's everyone is the kind of people I hate in that. Fair play. Um, and I, but they're supposed to be. Yeah, I'm definitely not shit on Halloween ends. Yeah, I'm definitely not shit. Uh, our audience poll, definitely not shit. Thirty five percent. Touching Cloth, 15%. Shit, 35%. And Geostorm, 15%. I can see a world for a Geostorm. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. And, and, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I think, had I not enjoyed it as much... Like, had I, not, I think part of the reason why I enjoyed it is I was watching it going, I love the fact that this is going... That, that what happened when David Gordon Green said he was going to make these movies was everyone thought, oh, we're going to get an auto-style director making Halloween movies, and then he finished his trilogy just making a fucking Halloween sequel. <laughs> I kind of really... I really dig that through, like, no fucking... Not because his career fell apart, or that through a genuine choice that the guy who made All the Real Girls 19 years ago made just a straight-up fucking Halloween sequel. And now he's been given $400 million to do a fucking new Exorcist trilogy. Yep. What's that going to be? Is his third Exorcist going to be, like, just, like, fuck it, I'm going to get a George C. Scott type to just growl at people for a couple of hours. Do you know what? Do you know what would be great? If the fucking... If these Exorcist ones that he does just have have nothing to do with the first Exorcist movie, they're just direct fucking sequels to number three. Oh, God, that'd be great. I mean, like, apparently he's already, like, shot some stuff with Ellen Burstyn. Um... Like that that's the scuttle but so it it, unfor- it is gonna be pretty direct by the sound. God of it, damn but... it. Yeah. God damn it, yeah, Green, you coward. Just... <laughs> you do kinda what because I that was announced a while back. Yeah. And I do wonder whether the execut if the executives had seen Halloween ends and was like, Do you still want to give him four hundred million dollars? <laughs> like I don't know. Giving David Gordon Green four hundred million dollars for three Exorcist films versus Netflix giving Ryan Johnson four hundred million dollars for two Knives Out films. It just it feels a little bit gonna be on. It feels a little bit like yeah. like fucking David Gordon Green went in there and just went right. This is how much I need to make these movies. Slid a piece of paper across and they went, "Yep, yeah, go on then." And then when he got the thing through, he went. Why did it say four hundred million dollars? I wrote a one. 
And it's like, like he's looked at it and gone, oh, my ones do look a little bit like a four. <laughs> oh, oh, I was thinking like, oh, fuck. I added an extra zero. <laughs> <laughs> Just it doesn't need to be that much money. What, what I will say about Halloween Ends, though, I think it looked, not just because of the Dolby Cinema of it all, I thought the cinematography was really strong. I thought it looked, looked really good. good. Yeah. And I, because, like, you know, people on Twitter had been complaining last week about, like, a random shot in one of the TV spots looking like shit compared to the original. It's like, well, you know, let's actually have a look at the film. The film itself looks very nice. Looks like it's got a budget behind it. I think it costs about thirty, forty million dollars. Yeah, about thirty. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, do you know what? That that's up on screen. It, it's, it's a well, you know, good score. Yeah, looks good. Um, it, but yeah, I don't know. It's like giving um the 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 guy directed Halloween five forty million dollars. You know, just it's, let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's wild, wild. Uh, yeah, fair play. Um, okay, so um, let's move on. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Dario Argento's Dark Glasses, or as Mark called it the other day in a chat, Black Glasses. Yeah. That's what it's called on IMDb. And it yeah. is what it is yeah. called on IMDb. I fucking thought it was. I've just seen that. Thought it wasn't mental. I've just IMDb's getting a lot of mentions this week. It is. I've just seen that. That is wild. Why is it called Dark Glasses? Anyway, because right, so uh, the literal translation of the uh, Italian title is Black Glasses. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um. So, this stars. Iliani, Ilenia, Eli, yeah, Elenia Pastorelli, Asia Argento, um, Andrea Sang, uh, Andrea Gerpelli, and Mario Perello. Um, Diana, a young woman who lost her sight, finds a guide in a Chinese boy named Chin. Together, they will track down a dangerous killer through the darkness of Italy. That is not the plot. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> Diana um, kills Chin's parents, then kidnaps him from a yeah. library. And then yeah, drags him Diana. around Italy, trying to stay away from the police. Drags around Italy, shrug bits of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to avoid the police, neglecting her service dog, and getting Asia Argento killed. I think that's more successful. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. And then there's a bit, a weird bit at the start where there's an eclipse. Yep. Yeah, what was that? And the that score goes. To do with it. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 And the score goes really hard, and then continues to go hard for the rest of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read a synopsis of this movie. I can't remember where I read it that said that uh, that that. The movie that she went blind because of the eclipse, and that everybody had started to go blind because of the eclipse, and that's what the movie was about. <laughs> it's just not. What? Um, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, everybody's just going slowly blind, and there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. But, but, but that is who what just it's about. fucking stinks. Let's be honest. 
What? He fucking stinks. <laughs> he fucking, yeah. He fucking smells like a motherfucker. He just smells like, like dogs. He smells like wet dogs. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you murder all these people when you somehow smell like a wet dog, did you? A little bit. <laughs> first that was a good yeah he killed someone else before what did she say though you know that's what she said to him probably that she didn't like his shoes but he he, i reckon he got in a lift with her somewhere and she went this one smells like wet dog in here (laughs) and he went what the actual fuck we we were eating dinner yesterday when we first started watching this movie and that that kill of, of that first prostitute it's quite grim, isn't it? When that's that slice on her neck's just fucking gaping and pulsating. Hmm. That's right with it. I didn't want to be eating pizza while I was watching it, though. I was fine with it, to be fair. Yeah. So, yeah. Dark Glasses. It's Dario Argento's new film. Fair play. Dude's in his 80s and he's still going at it. He's got another one. Um, he starts making another one next year with Isabel Huppert. The fucking Isabel Huppert, yeah, She's wild. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's a really slow paced Jalo movie. Look, God bless Dario Argento, because he doesn't need to be doing this, but he is. And he's doing it to try and entertain people. Mark, were you entertained? Yeah. <laughs> what actually? Um, what I would say is, it's probably Dario Argento's best movie he's made in quite a while. In quite a while. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I enjoyed it enough. It's you really enjoyed how much of a fucking bitch she was, didn't you? I did enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that. I did turn around to you at one point and I met someone oh, we can add that to the list, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know your... Just um, angry Italian women. Yeah, angry Italian women shouting at people. It, it, it works. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I enjoyed that. I... I... <laughs> it's... The thing is, when she appears on screen, um, Elena uh, Pastorelli, you're looking at her going, yep, this is a Dario Argento movie. Yeah, yeah. She's the most Dario yeah. Argento-looking protagonist you could have. Yeah. Um, it's... It doesn't have the verve and flair of classic Argentos. That's for sure. It doesn't. But it also doesn't feel quite as... Oh, this is a little bit embarrassing as, mm. like... Dracula 3D and Jalla. The blood looks a bit too much like blood for me. I like my Jalla blood to look essentially like paint. Yes, there's a little bit of that, but it's got a banger of a fucking score. Mm. Um, and I'm glad that Daft Punk didn't do it and it ended up being um, Arnold uh, Robertini uh, instead. Because he... he, he <laughs> He understands the assignment <laughs> to a fucking team. I just want to... Like, hang on a sec. I just want to play a bit of the soundtrack. Go on. Go on. Go on. 
it's it's not it's not kicking off just yet. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It is. It is fucking great. It's the thing is, it's not just aping like Goblin Scores, but it very much knows what it's doing. It's a guy who's done a score that. It's very much his score, but he's gone, all right, I'm going to have some fucking fun with this. Mm. Um, and you can imagine Argento going, this is fucking great. This is just great. And I think that, just, that genuinely as... helps the movie. Yeah. As soon as the opening credits start and that music starts, it's like, yeah, this is a Dario Argento film. Yep. Cool. Yeah, that's it. And the story is a little bit all over the place and a little bit mental and people just don't make decisions like they really normally would but it, it also as well it, it does remind you of other Argento movies yeah it does you know I got a very big sense of um, Four Flies and Grey Velvet from it there was that element for it. It, it. it felt like that. There was there were shots where you're going, "Oh, that's an gentle looking shot." Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I, I had that feel. I I had a good enough time with uh, with um, dark glasses. Great sex. Good enough time. Oh, sorry. yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. She was she was a unrelatable bitch, which I liked. Didn't want to relate to her. She was getting stalked by a serial killer. The kid was a little bit annoying, but I found it quite amusing that she that, he, that it, she'd be like, "Oh my god, oh my god, do you know where we are?" No, follow me. <laughs> Start running. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, their, their dynamic was weird, but good. Yeah, kind of dug it. Um, Neria coming to the rescue and just luxuriating in like ripping that man's throat I was oh, really yeah. like taking a fucking time yeah I enjoyed that yeah but the fact that the the, the the central kind of reasoning behind him wanting to kill her was that she told him that he smelled it's just fucking great <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but then also just like how violently he will attack anyone who gets in his way so like that yeah. bit where um, those guys stop in the van and it, it just like they're just punching each other and they're just rolling around on the floor. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, it, it's the thing. Did I ever think that Dario Argento was going to make a three out of five film ever again? No. So I am so fucking pleased. That's it. it this will um, probably be in like my surprises of the year. In the yeah, fact that I can see it. I'm surprised that it was as good as it was. <laughs> yeah. And, I could, yeah. And, 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 and genuinely, I could see myself watching this again at some point. Yeah. Just I, I had a good enough time with it. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm going to go that far, but soundtrack was great. The bit with the snakes... Oh, that just good. felt like some random shit from an Argento film. Yeah. Like that 
It, I, yeah, I don't know. That that just had some mad kind of Tenebrae vibes well, that, to it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And just like the 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 dog attacking was obviously like the mon- monkey attacking at the end of Phenomena. It, but I mean, it, it's so it's so much better than something like Dracula 3D. And is he slightly playing the hits, but not as well? Yeah. But he's in his 80s. We're not going to have that many more Argento films. I, if he's... Yeah, that, yeah. that's it. I, I'm hoping that maybe... Maybe like the next one, the one that he's doing with his well hair, might be a little bit like his Paul Schrader moment. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine... Could you imagine? Yeah, just, just that, that that little bit of a little bit of like a, almost like a, a weird little mini renaissance where he has a little bit of a good run for a couple of like films for no reason. He has like yeah. a three year period where he makes just like some just decent films. Because <laughs> let's face it, after Dracula 3D, we all thought he didn't have it in him anymore. <laughs> yep. Delighted to say, definitely not shit. Yep, definitely not shit. Um, Bex? Yeah, definitely not shit for me. I really, I really liked it. And our audience poll, definitely not shit 40%, touching cloth 40%, and shit 20%. I don't think that's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think Argento would take that. Good. Just realised I remembered I was hosting <laughs> Twitter. Quest, uh, questions and all that kind of stuff. Well, I asked the question of... Our question for you uh, guys this week is, which is your favourite horror franchise? thought I'd go real I simple. need to pee again. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, Noel said that one because I put a gift from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Andrew Jones, give me a final destination, the most cartoonish and ruined simple things like being on a bus getting laser eye surgery. I don't know how that's that simple. Um, and performing gymnastic routines. But that is a really fucking strong shout, actually. Yeah, that. yeah. It's a really strong shout. I do like the Final Destination movies, that's uh, all. Ethan and Scream and Saw both usually try to subvert or twist in some way, which is usually fun and gives, uh, gets me back for more. Uh, you gave, yeah, good shouts. Uh, Rick Kidd, it's the Halloween franchise for me. Certainly there's been some duds, Six and Resurrection, uh, but almost all the others are fairly decent at worst. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Um, Jim's Room, um, Evil Dead and Dead Snow and Wolf Creek. Too much crud with the Freddies, Jasons and franchise du jour to waste our time with. Oh, actually, it's Child's Play. Only one dud, not the remake, and more invention in the fifth sequel than the whole Myers universe. Child's Play is actually a fairly good joke, that. They are pretty consistent. Hmm. I don't know how they'd hold up, though. Yeah. John Dangerfield, Sora Final Destination for me. Rather consistent quality there. Uh, this is a good film. Alien. Fair play. Think you can maybe say that the horror franchise, I think that's a reach. Um, Alien? Yeah. Yeah, it's a horror franchise. Is it? It's horror in space. It's space horror. Fair play. I agree that Alien's a horror film. I don't think Alien's a horror film. 
100% it's a horror franchise, Mark. You're an idiot. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never seen it as that. Which, well, I, 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 I'm conceding that I'm wrong in so never you, seeing it as that. You don't, you don't find the idea of, of being trapped in a confined space with that fucking thing scary? Well, I, 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 what I'm saying is I've never seen it myself as a horror franchise and I'm saying that I'm wrong for that. That's fine. Good. It's... Aliens is the least horror, yeah. and I would term that as action horror. Again, like I said, I'm admitting I'm wrong. That's fine. It happens a lot. I mean, I, I don't think you've... I think there needs to be more self-flagellation on this, Mark, to be <laughs> honest. I don't think you've admitted it hard enough. Well, I, I will self-flagellate by watching the fourth Alien movie. Which I think, you know, yeah, it's pretty self-flagellating. It's the worst thing a person can do for themselves. <laughs> how many, how many yeah, movies does enough. it need to right. have in it? I'd say at least three. Can I have the Ring movies? The Ring ones? Which ones? Ring, Ring two, and Ring R. So the the Korean Japanese, ones. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like there's, there's there's like loads of different ones. Right back. So that, so it's a franchise. Right. All right. Or all of them. Yeah. So you having the American ones? No, fuck those stupid right. movies. The proper ones. Okay. Left field, fair play. Ian, what's yours? I, to be honest, I think Aliens a really good shout. Um, shout yeah. You know, I'm 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 not someone who, even though you don't think they're horror films. Um, it, it's um, <laughs> I. Like I'll I'll watch horror franchises, but I don't think there's many that are like really consistently good per se. I think Scream. Scream is a very 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 good shout, but I I I I will go for Alien. That it Alien and Aliens very very heavily weights on that. And then if you're talking about Prometheus and Alien Covenant, then it kind of ends. Weirdly, it is odd that the last Alien film ends with Michael Fassbender being a duplicitous android who is sending a bunch of people off to basically be impregnated by aliens. Yeah, that's the last one. I don't think it's going to be the last one, though. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, they need no, to get but shit I, yeah, if they're gonna make another one because. The, the they need to not like Ridley Scott directed. Yeah, the modern ones are not good in comparison. Mm, mm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think certainly that initial Alien Free Alien Resurrection run, um, you know, Alien Resurrection, there, there, there's still some interesting stuff in that, even if it's not great. So, yeah. Final Destination is a really good show. Mm. I think it's probably the most consistent. I remember the fourth. I remember the fourth one being dog shit, but I reckon if I watched it now, I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Final Destination. I think that's a really good show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, right. We did get some questions. Uh, Dylan Black Lanterns. In the past, uh, that films have put you on for a potential love interest, really hoping that they love because it's potentially... Oh, I think I've got a mid-conversation there. <laughs> oh, you guys still there? Yes. I'm trying oh, to work yeah. out this question. Sorry. I think I'm reading it wrong. 
in the past that films have you have you put on for a potential love interest, really hoping that they love it because it's potentially a deal breaker if they don't. I get what it means. Have you ever recommended a film to a potential love interest and they've not liked it? Um, oh God. Any film I recommend to Becky? Uh, in the past, he's put that instead of what What films have you put on for a potential love interest? Really hoping that they love it because it's potentially a deal breaker if they don't get it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Um, the fit. Mm. I mean, I've only had one potential love interest and you're still here, so obviously not, no deals are broken. Yeah, I didn't really have any, like, serious... I mean, Dirty Dancing was a bit of a deal-breaker for you, wasn't it? Different deal, though. Yeah, but I'm... Well, yeah, quite. Um, try to think if there's anything that I recommended to you you didn't you really didn't like, and I... Fucking casualties at war. Yeah, but now you like that, don't you? So, yes. I don't know if I can have that. But you just... Films that I like that you just don't. More rats. Yeah, fucking more rats. Yeah, you're an idiot. Holly Shaw movies. We would never want to watch those. <laughs> because I don't like them. Well, how do you know if you've not seen because them? Because you've shown me some of them. Not enough. <laughs> and, 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 and I would say that some of those you liked. You liked Son in Law and you liked. Um... Have you seen all that? I don't think I've seen Son in Law. Yeah, I like Biodome. And you liked Biodome. And then Sino Man's the one with Brendan Fraser in it. And you liked it. Because of Brendan Fraser. Just saying, that's not our bad hit rate. Anyway, as one that could potentially be a real deal breaker for me. What? If I if I if I was starting to see somebody and I suggested watching like The Mummy on a Sunday afternoon and they're like, oh no, I fucking hate that shit. Brendan can Brendan Fraser can go eat a dick. I'd, I'd, that that would be it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could use the same one for them, to be honest. I hate that you hate Clue. I don't hate it, I just don't care. <laughs> one of those. I just, not that I dislike it, I just don't give a shit. Mm. Ah, actually, going off film for a second, I don't push you to read Stephen King books because if you just didn't like them, I, that, that could potentially be like a... 20 odd years in deal breaker what the fact I've read like three yeah. and that's it I just I just give you the shorter ones and I don't pressure you to read them <laughs> the ones that I read were fine because if you read them and you were like this is fucking shite I fucking hate this what, what the, he's a hack I mean when you when you do your Dean Koontz jokes the king of horror it honestly makes me want to punch you in the face that's why I do it so, yeah <laughs> Rick Kidd, in Jason X, they took Jason Voorhees to space. Where would you take Michael Myers if you were making another Halloween film? Antarctica. Like swamp country. At the bayous? Yes. Mine's similar to that. Yeah, go on. Splash landings. <laughs> that's similar to that. <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> Have him stalking people around a theme park. Yeah, but I want to see him going down like a water slide in one of those tight fucking ring dingy things. Splash just hold me a knife. Splash Landings is like Alton Towers, isn't it? 
Yeah. So you'd bring him over to the UK. Oh, like whatever, whatever the better American version is of Splash Landing. It's just like Michael Myers, like just going around there. You could have him like hiding in, in a waterside and just stabbing people. Just occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Just occasionally that, and just like kids just fucking like, just like shooting out with just fucking missing like a limb. Oh, yeah, it could be like clotheslining people with a fucking knife. And as they come out the bottom of the slide, their throats are spurting. He'd have a great time. Yeah, he would, yeah. I'd love it. He would. It'd be brilliant. I and mean, just the visuals of all that fucking blood in that chlorinated water. It'd be beautiful. Uh, Andrew Jones. Liam Neeson is going to play Leslie Nielsen's role in New Naked Gun. Which actors with similar names would you like to see reply <laughs> their, their namesake's roles? <laughs> That's so fucking That's niche. a great question. <laughs> Sarah O'Connell has come in and said TGI Friday's Chris Evans to take over from Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. Oh, that would be great. That would be really funny. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredibly good question. I wish I had an answer. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Well, okay. Does this count? Um, could the Keith David... Oh, God. Right. Daredevil's dad in Daredevil. What is that actor's name? Because if it is Keith David, like the other Keith David, then we have something. But it might be David Keith. I think that's similar enough. I think that's similar enough, yeah. I think they just have to sound slightly. No, I need, but I need I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. Come on, no, that that daredevil. Not the the one that most people would be looking for in this day and age. Um Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Fuck's sake. David Keith, damn it. Okay, fine. So I would like David Keith, who played Ben Affleck's dad in Daredevil to be the Keith David role in the thing. <laughs> but primarily because I would like the Keith David character in the thing, that character to be Ben Affleck's dad in Daredevil. <laughs> I want Childs from the thing to be Ben Affleck's dad. That's dad. <laughs> You got all back. No. 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 I can't think of any acts with similar names. Hmm. I mean, I just Googled it and Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas. I'd watch Michael Keaton in a fucking Basic Instinct remake. That's a fucking great show. Like fucking midnight. Watch the Michael game. Douglas. I think he'd be really good in the game as well. I tell you what. Yeah. I'd watch Michael Douglas in Batman. Good chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going for my Keaton Douglas crossovers. That's what you... I, I I want I want Killian Murphy to do a reading of Eddie Murphy's Delirious. <laughs> Are we letting you That's have that? Good. Are they similar enough? They're both called Murphy. <laughs> so it's pretty fucking similar. Fair. But just like a real deadpan fucking... You know, like, you know, like at the end of... Uh, towards the end of... Um, Dark Knight Rises, where he's in that Kafka kind of car thing. Yeah. Just that version of Killing Murphy. Yeah. 
<laughs> just fucking reading out <laughs> Eddie Murphy's delirious. <laughs> so it's just like a baffled audience going, what the shit is going on? I think they'd be into it. Yeah. Well, that was it for our questions. Some fucking good questions this week. Uh, yeah, that was great. That was really fun. Um, okay, so next week, as previously discussed, we are not covering Black Adam. Yay! But we are fucking right. Uh, but we will be covering Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Very excited. And uh, Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Also very excited. Yes. So, that is going to do it. It's been nearly three hours of recording. So... I'm going to say thank you very much, Bark. M- bark. Oh, thank you very much, Bark. Is that our portmanteau name? We're out of Bark. <laughs> we need more Bark. It's either Bark or Mecky. I think Bark is funnier. All right, thanks, Bark. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Ian. Thanks, me. Bye. Bye. Bye.